What, what am I supposed to say? I've never listened to a podcast. You're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. You're, you're, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Big podcast. Brian McCulloch here with Big Wheel Coaching. Hey, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. And we are live for a wonderful episode. Today is going to be wonderful. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely certain of it. We are uh, for a part two episode of The Champion's Mind, How Great Champions Think, How Great Athletes Think, Train, and Thrive by Jim Aframal. And I am joined for another episode of the Big Will Coaching Podcast with my partner in crime, Brady Kiss. Bada bing, bada boom. Stoked to have you, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Ready to give this one a whirl. Uh, I've been reading the book and I'm stoked about it. Nice. I, I wonder, I think I should stop saying, Hey, it's nice to have you back because like you live a mile from our house. So it's never really like you're gone. Right. Okay. I am. So, and I am feel like a, one of the go-to guests. So. Well, then, then you're really not a guest then, are you? Right. Just, uh, sometimes I'm here, sometimes not. Okay. Got it. All right. Sorry for that, everyone. We just wanted to clarify that off, <laughs> off script next time. So Brady, it's not welcome back. It's get back to work. Okay. We got work to do. So we're going to start with chapter three, where we left off with the champion's mind. And we got really into the nitty gritty and there's some great stuff here. So for everyone at home, if you haven't listened to our last podcast on the book, The Champion's Mind. I'm telling you, it's worth a listen. It's a great book. I definitely recommend you get it. Brady recommends you get it. Right, Brady? Definitely. Uh, sports psychology is where it's at. The reason why we're covering this, everyone, is that mindset is such an important part of what we try to do as athletes. And certainly for us as coaches, it's very easy. They often say with coaching is that it's one part art, one part science. And the science part is where everyone spends a lot of time thinking about our fitness and the gains that we're trying to receive and maybe even slaving over our power meter, et cetera, et cetera. But what we're, the reason why we're going through this mental skills and mindset and sports psychology is because it's untapped opportunity here because there are things that, that we do as athletes that can be honed and improved off the bike. Not all of our gains have to come on the bike or in our sport. Okay. And obviously we talk, talk to cyclists prim primarily because that's primarily who we coach, but we also have motorcycle riders. We have triathletes. We have runners. We have a lot of people in the big wheel coaching family. So for those of you that are coming to us and, and hear us predominantly talking about cyclists know that in 99.9% .9 of the times that all of this transcends to runners, all of this transcends to triathletes, all of this transcends to the guys that are racing motorcycles that we work with. So, uh, chapter three is be in it to win it. And it starts with a great quote from Michael Jordan it says, I play to win whether during practice or a real game. And I will not let anything get in my in the way of me and my competitive enthusiasm to win. So it's a pretty interesting chapter to start out that way, especially for us being cyclists and endurance athletes with 
you know, not, not a lot of us are a part of teams. Some of us are a part of teams, but for the most part, all of the training is individual and solo. Very, very, a very small fraction of it is actually group training, which I wish could change. And maybe we should be a part of that change at Big Book Coaching, right, Brady? Yeah, we're kind of working on that, actually. We've got some group oh, rides going on. We are, ooh, we are working on that. We've got some uh, Grand Fondo prep training rides. If, if anyone's list, uh, listening is interested in those, check out our Facebook. But the first thing in this chapter that really sent home to me was because I feel like, wow, this is such an individual sport, right? Whether you're cyclist, runner, any endurance sport, it's such a, a solo affair. You spend so much time by yourself doing this training. One of the things that that uh, the author talks about is he talks about team mottos and gold medal slogans, and he goes to the book: develop a team slogan or theme for the for the year to keep everyone inspired and on the same wavelength. And I got to thinking about that, and, and you know, Brady and I we've been talking about this a bit. I think that really extends for most of our athletes. That really extends to their family. Their family is their team, and and I would say even for us as coaches, we get to be a part of our athletes team. We're kind of a part of a performance team, if you will, that helps, helps them achieve their very best. And, and, and I wanted to share a personal story there is that I thought, Oh, these things are as an athlete, I thought, okay, great. We're, we're individual. We don't need to have kind of raw, raw, go team kind of stuff. But the more I thought about it, and since Joy and I got married and then we now had Seamus, this notion of family and team has become more and more and more important to me. And come to find out that our last name has a has a meaning in in, in Gaelic and Scottish culture that you have um, you know your name has a crest and a motto and all these things and and it, as it turns out is our family motto is by strength and courage and I thought wow I wish I would have known that like ten years ago when I started riding motorcycles or like well ten years ago when I started riding bicycles and then before that when I was racing motorcycles but what do you think Brady is is something like that. How does that help in the mindset of our athletes? How can that help power them to great performances? Well, you're just like uh, away from your family so much. So it, it takes a lot of support from them to be able to do the training. And then like you got to go race on the weekends, you know, stuff like that. So even having them support you. And if there was just like a way um, to tell each other that you support each other, but you, besides saying like, I love you, you know, um, you can come up with like a team motto or something like that. And you guys can all kind of use that to get stoked for each other. And that goes other ways too. It's not like only the, uh, like you're being supported, right? You support your kid in their soccer game or whatever. You could tell them the same thing. And it just kind of creates like this cool little, uh, family thing. Great. So it's a way for us to show support for each other. I think that's awesome. Right. Or is it, is it that Brady or are you just trying to like tell your mom to stop telling you that she loves you every time you go on a, we take you on a trip? <laughs> yeah, it could be that too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great way for us as families. So it's just a mindset, everyone. So the reason uh, you might not think, Hey, we're not on a team. What do we need to have a team? But actually you are on a team and that team needs to support each other and, and be able to tell each other that we support them. So that's pretty cool. Good, good thinking, Brady. Uh, but one thing we, we also wanted to say, there was, there's a section here called drop the game face. And it, it opens with a Chinese proverb that we thought was really good. And it says, quote, tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. And that was like, both Brady and I looked at each other and we're like, yeah, man, this is, that's quality. 
that is quality. That's got to be shared with everyone. And, and we spend so much time, especially with the Tour de France on right now, everybody's watching you want, oh, I want to see the suffer face. I want to see, right. It's human drama on TV. That's what the Tour de France is. And what we want to do is help our athletes transcend that and recognize that, that one of our yoga teachings is about being able to be present, right? And so don't, you don't have to twist your face and grimace and, and really, you know, exaggerate body movements and all these things to have this suffer face. So even here we are in, in a mindset book talking about drop the suffer face, right? It's just not relative to what we're trying to achieve. It's not, that doesn't actually help you get further up the road on your bike. That doesn't help you crush that climb any faster. So if any of you are out there practicing your suffer face, or if uh, you've maybe been a little uh, loose with your suffer face, letting it get a little out of hand, maybe it's time to, to remember that relaxation is who you are. Right, Brady? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you just need to like put everything into the pedals. I think about that sometimes when I'm riding, like my shoulders get tense, my face gets tense, you know, just like let it all go and just focus on pedaling. That was really, really useful. I wish I would have known that actually. <laughs> When I was in tour of Taiwan, that was like, oof, too much. Sometimes too much suffering. Sometimes too much. One of the others that we wanted to bring up, we're trying to breeze through this chapter because there's a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of overlay in the coming chapters. And we felt like there was some great meat there, but there's this notion of mindset. And that's really what this whole book is, is trying to help us develop is the appropriate mindset in the appropriate time. Because it's not just a singular mindset. Right. There's, and we know we talked in the last podcast about, um, having a gold medal attitude and always thinking of everything as a gold medal performance. And, and there's a lot of value to that. But I was wanting to figure out how do we translate that into the reality of what we're dealing with. And that is like, you know, people have ups and people have downs and people have good days and people have bad days or sometimes the, the bike ride is the only positive thing in your day because work is really stressful or whatever. And, and one of those powerful notions actually comes from U.S. military units. And what that is, it says improvise, adapt, and overcome. It says that the best played, the best laid plans never go without a hitch. So stay focused and stay focused on a solution. Focus on your intended target and potential distractions will recede into the background. And so that improvise, adapt, overcome, how have you seen that, Brady? Like, I know you've talked about that. You and I have talked about that. Have you seen a lot with your athletes being able to utilize the improvise, adapt, and overcome mentality? Yeah, I mean, like, um, I think in mountain biking it happens a lot. Like, say you're in the group or whatever, and then um, you, like, wash out in the turn or something like that. It's really easy to, like, get just mad and then freak out, you know, and then you start doing poorly again. Or, uh, like, if you get a mechanical or something in any race, like, a mechanical is a time where you have to like, okay, what do I need to do quickly? I need to get a new wheel or do whatever I need to do. Right. And then I need to like focus on what the next task is, which is like getting back into the group or whatever, and overcome those uh, obstacles and not let them keep you down. So I think, yeah, definitely it's important in um, racing and training. No doubt about it. Right. No doubt about it. And that leads into, something that's a theme in this book is doing what you're coached to do or do. And obviously it's been, remember everyone, this book is written primarily for Olympic sports 
and stick and ball type sports. So, so when they're talking about what are your coach to do, what do you coach to do? What do you coach to do? Those are things are like, they're writing that again for the coaches that coach soccer teams, the coach track teams, the coach uh, baseball teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So what we're trying to do is pull out those lessons learned for you as an individual athlete, or even if you are on a cycling racing team, again, most of this is done primarily individually. So we're trying to pull all those lessons out so that you can have them and take, take part in. And it was really interesting to me because it seems so fundamental that this particular chapter closes out with something where it says process, process, process. And again, we're talking about mindset here. So it says, quote, enjoy the process of competing in the moment to avoid the temptation to leap into the future. Don't worry about the final outcome until it's time to do so. And you're going to hear that theme we woven through all the things that we're talking about today is that process, process, process is so important because that's what's going to keep us on track, right? We think about improvise, adapt, overcome. That's 100% just talking about process and being able to go back to the fundamentals and being able to go, okay, wait, I'm, I'm being confronted by a situation. How do I get through it? And that happens so often for our athletes of all abilities. Just this week, I was talking with an athlete that had done a Grand Fondo and randomly they, they went to have breakfast before their big Grand Fondo and their normal breakfast was not available to them, although they had thought and planned that it would be at the particular hotel they were staying at. Surprise! Something didn't happen. So we talked about this mentality of improvise, adapt, overcome, and then staying true to the process. Well, what is it? What is the process? Well, the process was eat a high carbohydrate breakfast, not focus on heavy proteins or meats that are going to spend a lot of time in your gut and be hard to digest as you're out doing a six, seven hour event. Right. And so I think for people to think through process and then be understanding the bigger picture of what we're trying to achieve and not just focus on, well, I always have to have oatmeal because if I oh if I have oatmeal, then I know I'm going to have a great race day. Yeah, I think that's a really good example of it. Chapter four is called The Wisdom of a Champion. And there's a number of things that we wanted to talk through in chapter four. But Brady, I got to let you take the lead on this one because there's it really comes straight out. And the very first component talks about it's a section called Take a Mastery Approach. And it talks about some really interesting things. But again, continuing on that mindset approach, you've been pursuing mastery from and seeking that. What in your mind and how is how can we translate that from a team environment into an individual sport? Yeah, I've been uh, listening to this podcast called Finding Mastery, actually. It's with Michael Gervais. He's a sports psychologist. He gets these people and he just kind of talks to them and figures out what um, what they're like, why they are the way that they are and like what um, mental skills that they do to maintain mastery in whatever they're doing. Um, but basically it like, I think mastery is just all encompassing like skills and fitness and all this thing. So, um, there's not just like one aspect of like, Oh, when, when I do this, then I'm a master, you know, and it just takes so much time. And so like putting in that investment and, and really focusing on not, um, uh, this race or like I did poorly, it's, it's kind of like for your whole racing career is what you want to do is be great. Right. So it's not just, um, today or tomorrow. It's like forever. You just want to have the, 
try to do as many things as you can um, with like drive and passion towards what you want to be a master at. And that's what it takes. And it's really the notion that mastery recognizes that this is all about a journey, right, Brady? There's, there's more to this than just, you're not just a sum of whatever your five minute critical power is or your 20 minute power or your functional threshold power. Like so many of our athletes, it's, it's, it's like you can kind of get drunk on it, right? Like you can be like, Oh man, my FTP has gone up by X number. Oh, my, my this, that, the other, you can, you can be really excited. And absolutely. Like when you do hard work, you should be excited about raising your FTP. Don't take that from my converse, my, my point here. But my point here is that we can't boil you down to a sum of whatever your FTP is, right? You who are listening to this podcast, you are a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a you know business owner, you're an executive, you're a cyclist, you're a runner, you're a moto head, whatever it is that whoever you are, you have to, you're all of those things. At one time, you're one of those things. So don't think that we can just boil this down to whatever um, the power meter says or doesn't say. So I think when we talk about seeking mastery, it's just recognizing in so many of the people that work with us and we have the ability to work with, they're already on that path. They're on that journey and they recognize, okay, well, I'm going to work on my cadence and we're going to work on short climbs. We're going to work on standing. We're going to work on uh, altitude. We're going to do this. We're going to do that because they have just such a great general amount of fitness that we are then going to then specialize that to, okay, it's cyclocross season, right? Or, hey, uh, we're going to do this grand fondo here, or we're going to do that gravel race there. Again, it's not all about competition, but that journey is about being able to test yourself in whatever form of competition fits for you, right? And it doesn't always have to be pinning a number on. And, and in fact, many of the athletes we work with don't actually pin a number on, right? They can be just trying to champion their local group ride. But either way, that's competition and it takes a journey to get there, not just focusing on a single metric. And I think that's that mastery component like you're talking about, right? Yeah, and it also kind of just goes back to what you were saying before, like process, process, process. Um, just takes time and, and uh, yeah, exactly what you said. That... Chapter continues with a really important component that I, that I really liked where it says nothing works without the work. Okay. And there's so many great stuff that we're kind of breezing over in this. And there's a lot of things that connect the dots, but we're trying to hit the high tops for you. We're the trying to hit the wave tops. And one of those components is nothing works without the work. And this, this really resonated with me both as a coach and an athlete because a lot of times when we're reading articles and I'm doing this when I'm reading and educating myself as a, as an athlete and as, as a coach, you're reading articles and you're always kind of looking for what's next. What's the best thing that I can be doing with my time right now? What is the best training methods, et cetera, et cetera. And it often, some of it gets kind of pitched at us as a hack. Right. In fact, that's a thing right now. People are thinking about hacks and ways to cut corners. Right. But I, I don't think everybody thinks, recognizes that nothing works without the work. And that's, that's the title of this section. And it says, quote, to, to the book, here we go. It says, effort and work 
are needed for self-improvement and results. If you really want to succeed, then the effort and the work are not that tough. I thought that was a really simple sentence, or two sentences rather, that, that just say, hey, we've got to do the work. We can, we can make our time purposeful on the bike. We can make our workouts appropriate. We can, we can craft them and individualize them and make sure they're um, congruent with our goals. No doubt about it. We can do all the things, but we still got to do the work. We still got to put in the sweat. We still got to put in the miles. We still got to do those things. It's not only about the miles. That's why we're talking about mindset and mental toughness and skills. But this particular time is we cannot forget that nothing works without the work. I mean, you also got to think about the the work in your mental skills training too. You know, you can uh, to to be good at that and to like get good at meditation, which was something we're going to talk about here. It takes practice, and so you could be putting in the work on the mental side too, or you should be. Boom, Brady, wrapping it up. A little foreshadowing already. I like where you're going. The next section was chase your weaknesses, build your strengths. So everyone, that's really simple for us as coaches. It's really important in cycling that you have a really well-developed and robust amount of fitness, okay? And so we want everyone to come to work through the training process and the coaching process, understanding that those terrible workouts, it's because we're trying to help you develop your weaknesses and we're trying to help you enhance your strengths. That's, That's really, really simple. But what does that have to do with mindset, right? Well, you have to have the appropriate mindset because... Doing those hard workouts that make you uncomfortable, that help you um, that address weaknesses, those are probably the most challenging. And so when your coach is assigning those, when Coach Brady or Coach Leo or Joy or I are assigning those, it's not because we don't like you or because we're doing whatever. It's because we care so much about you. We want to help you through this and, and help you achieve that mastery that you're seeking, help you be the best that you can be. So, so for all of you at home, the set thing I want you to take from that section is exactly that. It's about having the mindset that those workouts that you don't like are there for a purpose. They're there for a purpose because they're held there to help challenge you in a meaningful way to help you see at, see results, get adaptation and move beyond those things. So, Always keep that in mind that that's where the mindset element is about developing your weaknesses and reinforcing your strengths. All right, Brady? That's right. Um, yeah, like you said, you, you got to practice things you're bad at. Can't always just practice what you're good at, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and I didn't even realize that we just been, we went back and forth on this so much uh, on what to include and what not to include. But this particular chapter closes out with a simple, it seems simple, but this is really not simple, but it's a section that says, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I just, that immediately resonated with me. What about you, Brady? Yeah. I mean, that's basically what you just said, right? In those hard workouts, when you don't like to do them, then (laughs) you should, those are the ones you need. Well, that's being, uh, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. The book says something is terribly right when we are being challenged to grow stronger. The discomfort we feel when we exercise is an important part of the strengthening process. And the reason why we highlighted that and pulled that out is because so many people think that like once you quote, get form or gain fitness or achieve a certain level that it doesn't hurt anymore. And I want everyone to go home and watch the Tour de France. 
right? Everyone at home, watch the Tour de France and see how much they suffer, right? They're doing, they're, they're not just out on an easy ride. They're, they're emptying the tank. Okay. By no means am I saying you have to empty the tank every day. That's leave that to the pro cyclists. That's what they get paid to do. But in this particular case, don't be turned off by the discomfort, embrace the, un, the, the discomfort and think about what we talked about with the yogic, um, the yogic teachings and how those can be brought in. Like, let's let go of the suffer face, right? We can do the work, right? We can embrace the discomfort, but we don't have to hold on to it in the face. Like you don't have to really just like, ugh. we can let go of those things. So let's try and find that balance there of being, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. And then, like I said, drop that suffer face if we can. What do you think, BK? Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone suffers, so it never gets easier. Chapter 5 is an interesting chapter because it talks about exercise, nutrition, pain, injuries, and regeneration. And Brady and I thought we were almost not even going to include this, right, Brady? I mean, really, it was like none of that says anything about mindset, right? I mean, nothing, there's no mental skills here. What are we going to, what are we going to share with people? Right. But, but there's a reason this chapter is in there, right? BK. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some good things. It's like just saying, always keep moving your body and stuff like that, which is important. You know, even if, uh, like in addition to being on the bike, right. Moving your body in different planes and doing different ways is, um, is very important keeping muscle balance. So basically that was part of it. Um, and then nutrition, like it's important. We all know it, right. You, you got to get it done. And, uh, it's, it's worth paying attention to. I know sometimes it's easy to just like eat conveniently, right? Oh, this is here. I could just eat it, but, uh, really like stick to, stick to those plans of eating. But, um, there was a pretty good point in the book. It says like, eat for pleasure and for performance. So sometimes like, I mean, you can't just always eat, uh, well, you have to, sometimes you just gotta send some ice cream or something, you know, ice cream's too good to not to miss out on that. When you say send some ice cream, do you mean like, <laughs> what, eat how it, are you yeah. using the words that you mean? Like I should eat it. Yeah. Eat it. Eat it. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure what you, what you're saying. Cause if you're saying like <laughs> send some ice cream as a gift, is that what you're, that what no, you're saying? I don't eat know. the ice cream. Yeah. And to that point, the book, the book states is it's actually this gentleman who is Dr. Jose Antonio. And he is the CEO of international society of sports nutrition. Sounds really fascinating. I'm sure he's a super smart guy, but he says, here's his, here's his advice, which I was thankful for because I'm not an expert in nutrition says proper sports nutrition and supplementation is critical for improving body composition and performance when coupled with an intense exercise training program. Athletes should strive for progress, not perfection. I want to say that again. Athletes should strive for progress, not perfection. Not easy to do, folks. Not easy to do when you jump on your Instagram and you see all these people like, hey, I lost, you know, a hundred pounds. Hey, I lost 75 pounds. Hey, I, you know, I got a six pack and three and a half minute workouts or whatever it is, right? Like it's, it's all about progress. So let's, let's be gracious to ourselves and recognize that progress is the goal. It's a journey. Perfection, we're probably not going to achieve that. It hasn't been achieved yet. Not that I'm aware of. Anyway. So. 
was there anything else in the nutrition component here? I'm just flipping through, Brady. Was there anything else in the nutrition component that you thought was important to cover? Um, not that we haven't like talked about elsewhere. Okay. okay. Maybe check out a recovery podcast. We talked about nutrition in there a little bit. Oh, that's right. We did talk about that. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay. So hit, hit the, hit the recovery podcast from the, the Big Will Coaching archives. We're not even old enough to have archives, are we, Brady? <laughs> I mean, it was a few months ago, at least. Okay. We'll call that archives. Archives is anything past like yesterday in my world. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So outside of that, it, the chapter also talks about pain and injuries. And this is something we really work with with our athletes a lot. A lot of people think, well, hey, you know what? I don't need my coach because I'm not training. And in fact, we've probably done some of the best work with our athletes when they are injured. And I know that sounds like almost ludicrous to say, but it's true because when we're able to refocus on the the regeneration and us becoming healthier again, we can really hone in on really, we can do a deep dive on individual things, whether that is bike fit, nutrition. We can go through all of those things when once we're in season and training, everything is about making the gains that we need to, to get better for our event. Right. But when, when you have a setback like this, I think it's really important to make, to talk to your coach, to be able to talk to other, not just your coach, but also the people around you, kind of like we talked about at the beginning, that's where you have that team motto, that family motto. You have everyone else that you can get that support. And I know that as an athlete, you know, when I broke my hip and I didn't, I couldn't do anything weight bearing for three months. It was, it was pretty rough. And I know for folks at home, one of our athletes, unfortunately, she just had a crash and, 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 it, it resulted in a broken pelvis and, you know, she's, she's staring down that, that straightaway right there where it's like, Oh, what am I going to do? And that's where we can work together and go, okay, well, let's make sure we're handling all deficiencies. Let's make sure that we're working through any challenges. We're working through imbalances. We're strengthening in the ways that we can as we recover from the injury. Right. So I think that's a good time for folks to recognize that mindset is absolutely critical because you could get so down on yourself. Right. So mindset, don't think that mindset is only something to be taken into competition or something to power you through a tough workout. Mindset is something all the time that can be very, very beneficial. Right, BK? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you can you can kind of make, like, rehab and coming back from your injury, getting better, your new sport is what the book says. Just, like, put your focus into that, you know, and you want to get back and get better. So, yeah, no, I agree. I do like it that the book says that, that it talks about being able to focus on that and focus on that being your new sport. So again, to think about it analytically, say you were doing 10 hours a week of training, you're all of a sudden, now you're hurt, you're sidelined, you can't do anything, but you still can train mental skills. And if we go back to our last podcast, there was an, an Olympic athlete that did that, right? And then I believe that in here, there's also a diver, an Olympic diver. I'm on that page. How about that? I'm going to read it. (laughs) Diver Laura Wilkinson broke three bones in her foot during final training for the 2000 U.S. Olympic trials. Unable to dive for two consecutive months during her recovery, Wilkinson visualized ripping her dives every day. 
Not only did Wilkinson qualify for the Olympics, she won a gold medal in Sydney, even though her foot was not completely healed. So if you think about that, that's exactly what you're talking about, right, BK? You just got to... You got to focus on all these other things that you can still move the needle in. It's not like the game is over, right? We're still on the path. We're still on the journey. Exactly. Yeah. Find the positive, basically. Find something to do that can can help you when you come back or like help you get better faster or whatever you can do. Yeah. I thought it was great that it wasn't just like a, a pause. Like an injury is not a pause, right? It's like, hey, I can still move the needle and improve. And that's the that's the real lesson and take home from that section, I thought. Regeneration was something that we did think we should spend some time on, though, right? That one, uh, it says, quote, one needs to relax mentally and to allow the body to rest and recover from hard training. Think of regeneration as the yin to training's yang. And I'm just going to be blatantly obvious here, if it's not already, if anyone knows me, uh, that is my weakness right there, right? Like I'm down to do the training, always down to do the work. And, and I have to say over all the years that Joy and I have coached, I know for you, Brady and, and Leo as well, like there's no lack of enthusiasm for people to do the hard work. They like the hard work. They like the intervals. They like the big rides. They do the big work, but man, it's always tough to treat recovery and rejuvenation with that same fervor, with that, to attack it, or, or nah, attack, it's probably not the right word, but to, <laughs> to approach that portion of your training with equal enthusiasm as the training. I mean, what do you say, BK? Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. Um, but we, we know that it's so important, right? Like the, all the big work means nothing if you don't recover from it. So, um, you just kind of like keep digging yourself deeper and deeper into a hole and then Eventually, it'll catch up to you and you won't be feeling so good. So uh, make sure we program in and f- definitely focus on that rest when it comes and like t- make the most out of it as well. Um, well. Don't resent it either, right, BK? Like some some people think like, oh, I'm not getting better when it's actually precisely then that they are getting better, right? That's, so that rejuvenation component is th- the mindset is ultra critical. And I, I want to say that again, like the mindset of recovery and rejuvenation is ultra, ultra critical because if you don't value it appropriately, you don't get the gains that you're working so hard for. And that's, that's just so critical for people to understand that, that that's why we're covering this mindset. It's, it's not because we're trying to give you some hack to help you this or that, the other. Although if we can give you some, some positive ways to help you move forward, then by all means, that's what we want to do. That's what we're so we work hard to do. But in this particular case, it's because we want you to emphasize the things that move the needle for you on your journey to help you achieve your goals. Brady, quick question for you. You've experienced this thing. It's called progressive muscle relaxation. This section about rejuvenation talks about progressive muscle relaxation. And it's something that I've read about in the past, but something I've not experienced. Can you kind of tell everyone what the book talks about with that and what your experience with it has been? Yeah. So, um, progressive muscle relaxation is kind of like a, just a technique to get out any tension out of your body, or it's really good to help you like go to sleep or something like that. So if you're kind of laying in bed and you're having one of those restless nights, like, Oh, I can't fall asleep. You should, you can try this. 
Um, but basically what it is, is, um, first of all, you want to get into like a nice deep breathing cycle. Like we talked about last time, making sure those exhales are nice and long and the inhales are long as well. Um, really like filling up your belly and then your chest and then exhaling through your chest, then your belly. Um, so once you're breathing deeply, what you want to do is, um, you want to tense up like different muscle groups and not so tense, like you're going to cramp or something like that. I think the book says about like 50% of tension basically, but it's kind of hard to tell what 50% of tension is, right? So you just like tense your muscles, um, not to like painful or anything, but so basically you start like at your hands or at your feet. Um, and then you like stretch, stretch, stretch on the inhale. You, um, so you try to inhale for about eight seconds. And while you're doing that, the tension is there as you're inhaling and then you release the tension. And as you exhale, um, and then you move on to the next muscle group. So if you just did your feet, like maybe move up to your calves and then up to your quads and hams and then your glutes and then like your core and then your hands and your arms and then even up to your face like scrunch your face together and then let it all go um and working through all those like really just because when you're squeezing that tension um and you feel it relax like it's super easy to just go into like full relaxation even if before you had some tension you weren't really noticing it it kind of like makes it more apparent whenever you do this uh, exercise. And didn't it say something about muscles at rest? They all, they, they hold a little bit of tension, right? And so the idea of the, the tensing them was to help them to go to a deeper state of relaxation. Was that, is that what you took from that BK? Yeah, basically. I mean, just like, yeah, you have, everyone has like a little bit of tension built up in them. Right. And this is like, Okay. You can fully relax it if you go past that tension and then really focus on relaxing basically. Yeah. Got it. So it's a way to spur deeper relaxation. So flexing really hard and holding that tension and then the muscle will then return to uh, a deeper amount of relaxation. So that goes back to our, our discussion on how important relaxation is, right? Cause we can't until we have a relaxed body, and a relaxed mind, we can't perform maximally, right? Right. Yeah, it's really and good to just practice like while laying in bed, just do the deep breathing and give it a try. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's a little homework for everybody. Try try some of this PMR here. And this this section closes out with a sentence that I thought literally like you could just encompass the whole whole chapter, which I guess is the purpose of a conclusion. But uh, it says, "quote." As you progress in your sports career, the necessity for staying on top of these issues in order to reach your goals will only increase. And that was, to me, I thought so powerful that we had to share because it's so simple to think of it as like, well, you know, a rest day is a necessary evil, right? But actually, the more you train, the, more, the better you get, the more you're going to have to emphasize these things. Right. And I can say that for as long as I've been racing, that has been an Achilles heel of mine that I have not recognized that as I train more, that those things have to be emphasized even more, not just at the standard level. Right. It's not like training can increase and you just keep with your same rejuvenation techniques. Those actually have to be 
more, more maybe masterfully emphasized. Maybe that's a good word, Brady. But I, I think that's an important way to close out that section is just recognizing that, that these rejuvenation techniques and this, this mental skills and relaxation, those are not things that are just static. Like let's just say Mondays or Fridays or your regular days off. It's not like, it's like, okay, cool. It's a rest day. I just didn't ride my bike. It's that these things are going to be more and more and more emphasized, especially as you get more and more fit or you get more and closer and closer to your event. Chapter six is only about 10 pages long in the book, The Champion's Mind, How Great Athletes Think, Train, and Thrive. But there's pretty good 10 pages here, right, Brady? There's some good stuff included here. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Take Control of Your Personal Destiny. So, um, yeah, there's there's some good little uh, lessons that I, I like in there, and we'll jump into them. I know you like ice cream, Brady, but this book <laughs> talks about the marshmallow test. Would you let, I don't know if you could pass the marshmallow test. Why don't you tell us what the marshmallow test is all about? Yeah, I actually, I don't like marshmallows, so I could do it. <laughs> actually, I don't even know if I would want the second one. Anyways, um, the marshmallow test is pretty funny. They, um, they take these kids and they put them in a room with zero distractions. The only thing is they're like sitting in a chair at a table and on the table is a, they put a big fat marshmallow and they say like, okay, if you can sit here and not eat this marshmallow for 15 minutes, then you'll get another marshmallow and you can have two marshmallows. Um, and so it seems like a pretty easy task, but, uh, they were saying that like some of the kids, as soon as the people walked out of the room, they just popped it in their mouth <laughs> and only one third of the kids were able to like wait the 15 minutes and not have the instant gratification where they wanted to eat the marshmallow. And then they got a second one. But there were some pretty funny, like, um, follow-ups too. Like they, they, uh, they checked in on these kids like a little while later. And then, uh, like, I don't know, a few years later, the parents are all saying like, yeah, they're ahead of their classmates. And then come to find out they actually, all those kids that were the one third that were able to delay the gratification, they did better on their SATs. So it actually like made a difference, uh, in their lives and like how they go about tasks and working towards those things. Pretty interesting. It says, quote, the results showed that the older the child, the longer they were able to delay gratification. And a second follow-up study showed that the ability to delay gratification also positively correlated with higher SAT scores. I thought that was that was so funny, right? I mean, the first thing they said is like marshmallow tests, like, okay, marshmallow tests, like, what are they going to do? Oh, but I think about if we put a marshmallow in front of Seamus, he couldn't, like, it wouldn't even touch the table before he had it in his mouth, right? Especially, especially if it was a big one, right? The bigger it is, the more enticing it is, right? Like, it's, it's amazing. So I think that's really interesting for our folks to recognize because there are marshmallows in all of our lives. Like if we just take an abstract understanding or a metaphor understanding of the marshmallow, that marshmallow is in your life everywhere. And if you can delay gratification, you're not only going to get better for it today, you'll be better for it 16 years from today, 20 years from today, right? Maybe, okay, maybe that's a bit extreme to think like that. But really, it's like by delaying gratification on certain things, 
we're going to be better, right? And that's, hey, I'm going to do the extra 15 minutes of, tra- of training. You know what? I'm going to do my protocol says I should do three intervals, four if I feel good. Well, I'm going to do the fourth interval because I do feel good. Or, you know what? It's hot out. I'm going to, I'm going to still do my full, uh, training ride. Again, assuming that it's a smart decision to do that. It's not necessarily as black and white as I'm making it, but I'm, I know the, I know the folks that are listening to this podcast and you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're going to use common sense. And when it's smart to do the extra time, you're going to do it. Right. So that delayed gratification of saying, man, it's hot outside. I want to cut this ride short is going to help you not just in this, this training cycle or this training phase. It's going to help you down the road because it's setting yourself up to have great, um, great habits throughout your cycling, your athletic preparation throughout your life. So that was, those are very useful. It goes beyond that too. It's just like a mindset, right? You can take it throughout your whole life. Um, Sometimes you just got to like keep doing something for a bit longer and then it'll pay off. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it says the other thing that this particular, again, there's only a 10 page chapter, but this one that I I just had to say is like, gratitude is not a platitude. I just wanted to say amen to this. And the ancient Greek philosopher Plato wrote, a grateful mind is a great mind, which eventually attracts itself great things. And we've been closing out our podcast every week with gratitude, right? And that's, it's exactly this, this says it so simply. Gratitude is not a platitude. Saying thank you and being grateful for the things in your life, being grateful for having a spouse that lets you, uh, get out there and do your workouts, being grateful for, you know, as simple as having the ability to have two legs to be able to ride your bike. We rode, uh, as part of our Grand Fondo training series last week, we had a, a veteran join us who had lost his leg in, um, in Afghanistan. And I've I had the pleasure of knowing this guy for a long time and he's just an amazing athlete and just a quality human, really good man. Besides being obviously a, you know, a service member that we should celebrate. He, uh, you know, he still gets after it with one leg. And I would, and I can tell you that he walks around and says, you know, I'm thankful for having a leg. Right. So, so that gratuity is not just because you're healthy or because you have your health. It's whatever you have, you can find gratefulness in that. And that can actually positively influence in so many ways, right? It says, find the good. It's all around you. Appreciation can make a real difference in an athlete's ability to feel more positive and to perform at his or her best level. Feeling gratitude sets the tone for improving and enjoying one's game and life experiences. And I'm like, man, that's easy. It's easy to be thankful, right, Brady? There's a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, definitely. But I think that there's a lot of folks who struggle with it too, you know, like it's also easy to get pissed off at the guy who's driving all crazy in front of you or whatever. So, um, one of the tips in the thing was like to have a gratitude journal and like, maybe you don't have to go that far, but I think what it is good is like, if you could at the end of the day, say some things that you're grateful for, basically, you know, like, or think back to the good parts of your day and, and those, um, if you refocus on those ideas, like it'll help them stick in your mind better rather than the negative ones. And that's why it will help your performance basically because you're thinking about the positive instead of uh, the bad things that happened in the day or things that annoyed you or whatever. 
And one way to do that, that this book covers is the very next section is called meditation, bench press for the brain. And this is so good. I'm telling you, this is so good. So this has, this has a little bit of some studies in it. And one of those studies, they talked about UCLA uh, laboratory of neuroimaging. And it basically comes down to, excuse me, that's a separate one. It says, um, University of Oregon and their colleagues, this group here was because of Yu Yan Tang and Michael Posner. Po- Poisoner? Posner. Okay. Posner. Anyway, Posner. Thank you so much, brother. So anyway, boiling down to these really smart people who work in the medical profession, found that 11 hours of practicing integrative body-mind training, i.e. mindfulness meditation, over the course of a month boosted brain connectivity and efficiency, producing positive effects on mental health. So I am not a mathematician, but I figured out that that's 25 minutes a day. So if you did 25 minutes a day of mindfulness practice, maybe you could do two 10-minute sessions or 10-minute session in the morning and a 15-minute session at night or 25-minute journaling session, whatever it was, you would be significantly, you have a, you would statistically be, have a, a better, well, I want to say a better brain. That sounds like, well, that's really silly. I mean, how would, how would, help me say this better, Brady? What am I, how, what am I trying to say here? Um, you're just like connecting neural pathways and, um, becoming more efficient and like clearer headed, more in the moment, which is like where everything happens in the moment. So, um, all of those are come from meditation. So you have a better brain, right? Is that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah, Brady? basically. That, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> thank, thank you for getting my back on that. I just had like a huge brain fart there. That was, that was pretty rough. So, but I think that one, I just, I think that's so good. And as I can tell you from a personal anecdote and Brady, I'd love to hear one from, from you as well. But you know, before uh, Joy and I had Seamus, I was doing 20 minutes of yoga in the morning and 10 minutes of meditation. So it was just a half an hour practice. And I was doing that every day. And it wasn't a particularly challenging practice. It wasn't, you know, hard, hardcore or anything like that. But it made such a big difference on all of these things. And, and, and part of that was thinking about things that I'm thankful for, thinking of that that meditation was trying to clear my brain so that it could, wouldn't be so cluttered all the time or thinking of what is the immediate thing that I have to handle next and just kind of being more present. And it made such a big difference. And if you look at that season, I raced really well all season, right? And so it is correlated to, to better performance, even if I'm what I'm sharing with you is my own anecdotal experience. There's no doubt that, I mean, the book can point it out in ways far better than I understand that meditation is extremely helpful. It says meditation... Quote, meditation is especially important for taming the reactive or emotional mind and for sharpening concentration, which to be very, very candid, I could, I can use more of that. I can use that for sure. I need sharpened concentration. Yeah. I feel like there's so there for everyone, like they have so much going on in their lives, right? It's really rare that you get like a time to just sit down by yourself and try to clear your mind and not think about anything that you have to do or that didn't go right or that you need to do better or whatever. Like you just need to try not to think about anything basically. And, um, it can be so beneficial to just have like that peace. Like we don't really have peace, you know, if you're not like 
doing something than you're looking at your phone or what on your computer or whatever, you know, you're always just doing something. So to have that like time to just sit down and let your body and your brain fully like relax is really nice. And I like the fact that in the book, they, they, it's not as if you have to be a monk or a yogi to be able to meditate. They, they make it really easy in the book and they make it like, Hey, if you can just sit quietly in a chair, that's okay. We just need quiet and some stillness, right? And to be able to, if you, if you could even do that to quiet the noise around you, if you're, um, you know, if you can get to, a, let's just say you go to, you're headed to a bike race and you show up at the bike race or you're headed to a training session and you're in the car, you can shut the car off and for five minutes, just five minutes, just some quiet, think through the things, get out, then get your bike out, get your gear on, get ready to go to your workout, right? It can just be a couple of minutes, just, just some deep breathing techniques like we talked about in the last episode, double your exhales, uh, two-second pauses uh, between inhales and exhales. So again, five-second inhale, two-second pause, 10-second exhale, bada-bing, bada-boom, Count your breaths and you've done some, you've done some meditation and you did it in your car before you get home. You've done it, um, on your lunch break before you set out for a quick lunch run or, or a lunch ride, whatever it is, you know, just, just a minute or two or five or 10, whatever you can devote is going to help you. And just being purposeful about it is so, so, so important. Right, Brady? Yeah, definitely. And the grand finale here is chapter seven. Zen in the zone. I say it's the grand finale, but it's really the grand finale of this particular chapter because we wanted, like, we wanted to cover this whole chapter, but we're gonna, we're gonna breeze through a little bit of it and hit the high tops. But these high tops, they're home runs. No doubt about it, right, Brady? Yeah, this chapter, basically, what he does is he has like 20, I think, stories. Um, some of them are a little bit longer, some of them are shorter, and they're like usually about some, um, wise old man telling someone to do something or I don't know, kind of like <laughs> monk sayings, I think is what he said. Oh no, no. Zen, Zen stories, I think. Um, but anyways, yeah, like you said, there's some, there's some bangers in there. They're tight. So we're ready to go. Hit it, Brady. What's the first one? Um, the first one is empty your cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, basically what the, there was a, this guy, he was like, he thinks he's a hotshot yoga or, um, guru basically. And he goes to this, uh, I don't know, like place temple where they were practicing this. And he just keeps talking and saying like, Oh, this is what you do. This is what you do. And, um, while they're doing that, they're drinking some tea and the other monk is like filling up his cup and he just keeps overflowing the cup, overflowing the cup. And the guy's like, yo, what are you doing? Like, stop filling up my cup. And he's like, he says, basically, like, you're, you are your overflowing cup. Like, you, you never, uh, you need to empty your cup so that you're able to learn and listen. Like, if you're just always the one talking and, telling everyone what's going on, then you don't listen, then you're not able to learn. So it's really about being coachable. And, uh, yeah. I love that. This section is really cool because it has a story, you know, think of it as a parable and then it has a sports lesson. And then it kind of talks about some self-reflection. So in this particular one, empty your cup, obviously the idea is that you have to empty your cup so that you can receive more, right? 
So on, on Elevate KHS Recycling, we always think about it as like somebody's sponge is full, like they're not ready to learn more. And so staying coachable is so important. Um, and, and what this says is Taoism reminds us that usefulness, the useful, usefulness of a bowl is in its emptiness. And it's like, holy smokes, right? You never think about that. It's like, if a bowl is full, it has no use. It has no usefulness to it, right? Like its function is being empty so that you can put something in it. The usefulness is actually the, the act of putting things in it, right? And so part of that is saying that we should be a really good listener and we should accept corrections and act on them. And I can tell you, I mean, having, having raced at, uh, with Elevate KHS Pro Cycling for nine years, that is one of the things that is been the reason why I'm still around is that I really work hard at that. It's not always easy. And I, and I would tell you that my manager and all the people, um, around me, you know, sometimes they're like, Jesus, you are the most hard headed individual we've ever worked with. Brady could probably say the same thing. Certainly my wife can, but reality is, um, being able to accept corrections is really important. And so for us as coaches, for everyone listening at home, just know that if we're making any corrections, we really try to be tactful with those corrections because we're here, we're making those corrections to help you. And so we just want you to know that even if we do make mistakes and, and how tactful we are, right. We don't always choose the best words like, Hey Brady, like you need to stop that right away. Right. Maybe I could use a better way of, uh, or a more tactful way to do that. But what, what matters is that I'm trying to help, help you get better. And I'm, I'm doing it in a way that is intended to help. Right. So if, if everyone can remain coachable, that's, that's where we as coaches can help the most. So love that story. Love that story. The next story is called the monk in the mirror. And I'm just going to read it real quick through because I thought it was so good. It says there was once a monk who would carry a mirror wherever he went. A priest noticed this on one day and thought to himself, this monk must be so preoccupied with the way he looks that he has to carry that mirror all the time. He should not worry about what he looks like on the outside. It's what's on the inside that counts. I feel like I'm reading a story to Seamus here. But it says, So the priest went up to the monk and asked, Why do you always carry that mirror? This is the punchline. The monk pulled the mirror from his bag and pointed it at the priest. Then he said, I use it in times of trouble. I look into it and it shows me my source of problems as well as the solution to my problems. What do you think, Brady? Yeah, that's a hard hitter, right? Like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like what we talked about earlier when it was take control of your personal destiny. Um, basically, like, no, you got to solve your own problems. Like, uh, a lot of the things are caused by us and, and we're the only solutions, right? We got to change some things or move some things around and figure it out. Um, and a lot of times people aren't going to do it for us, right? We just got to, got to send it. So you got to, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to, what I was going to add to this is simply that it's, yes, we are the, we are the source of our problems and also the solution to our problems, but to be able to, I, I think it's important to recognize that th- th- there's a dichotomy here and there's a balance. Yes, we are the solution to our problems and we are the source of our problems, right? But 
that doesn't necessarily mean it's a solo journey. It's, it's something that we're totally handling on our own. That's not what I want people to take from this story. What I wanted to take them to take from it is that, that they are the ones that can make the process. So we as coaches, we can help people by giving them workouts. We can, by giving them feedback, we can help our athletes by talking through equipment choices and, and pacing strategies and all those things. But they're the ones that actually have to do the work. We can't gift you fitness. And everyone at home knows that. I'm not telling them any, and not telling you anything you don't know. But I think that's the important balance there to strike is that, hey, you can be the source of your own problems, but you're also the solution. And so seek people and surround yourself with people that are going to help you find those solutions so that you can implement them. I thought that was pretty cool. That was a pretty good one, Brady. I'm glad you called that one out. The second story, and we're skipping a couple of these for sake of time, but this one's called Maybe. I'm going to read it again. It says, once there was an old farmer who picked up, who had worked his crops for many years. One day his horse ran away. Upon hearing the news, his neighbors came to visit. That's such bad luck, they said sympathetically. Maybe, the farmer replied. The next morning, the horse returned, bringing with it three wild horses. How wonderful, the neighbors exclaimed. Maybe, they replied the old man. The following day, his son tried to ride one of those untamed horses and was thrown off. He broke his leg. The neighbors came again to offer their sympathy on his misfortune. Maybe, answered the farmer. The day after, military officials came to the village to draft the young man into the army. Seeing the son's leg was broken, they passed him by. The neighbors congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. And the farmer finally says, maybe, right? So that's an important lesson there, BK. What's, what, what is that? What's the takeaway there? Because I think there's also a dichotomy to balance. Yeah, I mean, like, good things are going to come and bad things are going to come. And you just kind of got to roll with it. And uh, there's not any use, like, getting super excited about like i don't know like oh like or or super bummed out right it's just like if you kind of stay moderate and like definitely you want to get excited about the things but don't like get too crazy or don't get like so bummed out that you can't do anything because the likelihood it's going to change and and then you're going to have another uh, high or low or yeah highs and lows are going to happen right right there's going to be, because of that, we've got to just enjoy the high times and let it ride in the low times and get back to it. So that's not, uh, don't hold on to either of them too tight, right? So that one's really good. I thought this working very hard one was worth sharing. Let's, let's, let's jump through that one. And basically the working very hard one, uh, the, the punchline, well, the story here is you got a really overzealous, um, monk and this guy's like, Hey master, I want to be, I want to be the best. I want to be the best monk. How long will that take? And the best monk and the monk is like 10 years. Right. And then he's like, okay, okay. But what if I work like really hard? What if I, what if I really like, like, what if, what if I just kick ass, you know, then, then the monk's like, or the master's like, yeah, that's 20 years. And then, then the, then this guy's like, wait, 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 hold on. Okay. What if I get like, aggro with it and I go crazy and like I do all this stuff and I just live the lifestyle and I'm here 24 7 and I don't leave and I, I just crush it and the master's like 
30 years, right? And it was so funny because I, we work with and are around so many people that are type A high achievers. And what they've learned is that the harder they work, the better the results they get. And that is absolutely true. I'm not here to tell you otherwise, and I'm not here to tell you that the story is telling you otherwise. But what the story is trying to tell us is that not every lesson is learned by working hard, or not every lesson can be fast-tracked. Some lessons come with the journey. And so I want everyone at home to think that some lessons are baked in the cake and they come when they come. Okay, so we can try as hard as we want to fast track them or otherwise make sure that we're learning them or helping our athletes learn them before the time is necessary. But sometimes it's about letting go and letting them come to you. So not every lesson has to be learned by working harder and harder and harder, or, or it can be looked at as like, well, I can do X time and I learn Y lesson. So if I do two times the work, I'll learn Y lesson in half the time. Right. It's not always like that. Right. BK. Yeah, basically. Um, and like sometimes, uh, people get too caught up like in the end result basically, and then they don't really worry about the day-to-day process. And so like, you're just so focused on being the master and you're going to do everything you can. And like sometimes, uh, yeah, you just lose sight of like the things that you need to do here in the now instead of like what it's going to be like in the future. So I think it kind of goes towards that as well. Yeah. The closing, the closing quote, uh, in the story, it says, when you have one eye on the goal, you only have one eye on the path. Boom. I feel like that could be a, I feel like that could be a Monday motivation. What do you think? Yeah. Sounds solid. All right, BK. I think we got time for one more. Maybe we should do two. Oh, darn it. Okay. All right, BK. Here's the deal. We're going to, we're going to choose you and me right here in the moment. We've got taming the mind left. We've got the painted tiger. We've got the chasing two rabbits and the statue. Choose two. Um, chasing two rabbits. Okay. And the statue. Done. Skipping ahead to chasing two rabbits. People are going to have to get the book to read about the painted tiger. I'm sorry, folks. So, (laughs) chasing two rabbits. I think they wrote this for me. A martial arts student approached his teacher with a question. I'd like to improve my knowledge of the martial arts. In addition to learning from you, I'd like to study with another teacher in order to learn another style. What do you think of this idea? The, the master replies, quote, the hunter who chases two rabbits catches neither one. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Right. I always try to, I always try to do everything at a hundred percent. And my wife is always telling me like, Hey, you can't do everything at a hundred percent. Right. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll just try harder. I'll just try harder. Right. Like I'll work harder. And so I, I hope for everyone at home, they can see at least where I'm coming from with this, and they can see that in themselves if they have it, is that working harder isn't always the thing. Sometimes just narrowing down, focusing on that process, focusing on the one path that's going to help you get forward and not being distracted by all the other things, right? Because I don't know how many times we've had 
Uh, I'll give you an example. I don't know how many times we've had athletes that are in this situation because it's all so tempting, right? It's so tempting, Brady, where everyone's like, hey, I want to do the biggest Grand Fondo I've ever done. It's, you know, 100, 125 miles. It's 200K. It's going to be super hard. There's 10,000 feet of climbing, blah, 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 right? And then it's like, okay, cool. We're going to do the training. We start going down the training process, not receiving, not getting the gains that we need to gain. And then all of a sudden you find out from the athlete, oh, hey, I've been, I've been trying this keto diet so that I can lose some weight. And it's like, oh, sabotage, right? It's just terrible, right? And now I'm not saying the keto diet is terrible. I'm not saying that the training for big goals is terrible. What I'm saying is those two things don't work together. If you're going to lose weight, we got to lose weight, right? We got to focus on what that is. If we're going to go for a big, big, uh, big goal, we need to go after that big goal. So I, for all those out there that are trying to say, Hey, well, I want to lose a little weight. I want to do a little of this. I'm not saying it's off the table. I'm just saying you're not going to don't, don't go. What I am saying is don't go keto when you think you're going to do a 200 K ride <laughs> or, or for that matter, don't think you're going to do a 30 minute crit or a, a 90 minute crit for that matter. Right? Like, like that's, that's hard to do. Right. BK. Yeah. It's just like, if you focus on too many things and something is going to suffer. And so, uh, it's hard to try to do it all at once. Definitely better to break it down into this is what I need it. Like kind of win the day, all that stuff that we've talked about before. I love that. Is there anything else that you thought about the chasing two rabbit story that we need to bring up? Uh, no, I think that's pretty dialed. Okay. All right. Final, final story before we wrap this edition up is the statue. I'm going to read it because it's worth it. A young man had a clay statue, a family heirloom. He'd always wished that it were bright, shiny gold instead of plain brown clay. When he began to earn a living, he put aside a little now and then until he had enough for his special project to have his statue covered with gold. Now it looked just the way he wanted it to, and people admired it. He felt proud that he had a gold statue. However, the gold plating didn't stick to the clay, and it wasn't long before he began to flake off in spots. So he had it gold plated again. Okay? Goes on. The story continues, and the son gets it replated. He gets it replated, keeps showing through. Finally, he shows it to his grandpa, and it says, The old man smiled and held the statue lovingly with a, with a moist cloth as he gently rubbed it and gradually dissolved some of the clay. Many years ago, the statue must have fallen in the mud and become covered with it, the mud. As a very young child, you would never have known the difference. You forgot and thought it was just a clay statue. But look here, he showed his grandson. The place where the clay was removed was a bright yellow color shining through. Underneath the covering of clay, your statue has been solid gold from the very beginning. You never needed to put more gold on to, the co to cover the clay. You know that the statue, the nature, excuse me, now that you know that its nature really is, all you have to do is gently remove the clay and you'll reveal the gold statue you've possessed all along. Brady, this one is all you because I feel like <laughs> you're t you tell your athletes this so often and I, and I just love that you emphasize this with them. So, so break it down. What's the, what's the long and the short with the statue? Basically like, uh, you just, it's inside of you, you know, like you're, you're awesome the way you are. And like, uh, sometimes we kind of get down on ourselves. They like, Oh, I'm just 
I'm just clay. Like I, I kind of suck at this or I kind of don't do this very well. But, um, all it takes is a little polishing and, and you're actually gold on the inside. So it's just gotta, you gotta shine through and be proud of yourself. And, uh, yeah. And do you see yourself as a champion? Right. I think that's really important for people to recognize that, that they are a champion, right? Like if, remember the very first component of this book said, if you can spot greatness, you have greatness in you. And that's, that's not a platitude. That's a hundred percent real. Right. And so you have gold inside of you. You are the, you are the golden statue. Everyone at home that, that is true. That's not just something to, to make you feel warm and fuzzy, but to be able to actually believe it and not have any self self doubt takes work on the mental skills. And that's what we're trying to do by bringing this book to your attention is that you truly are gold on the inside. The reality though, is it takes work to truly believe it at your core. It takes purposeful work, just like doing a workout to get stronger on your bike, to get stronger running, to do better, have be better at climbs, faster sprinting. Any of those things all take work, recognizing and then believing that you are, you have gold inside you. You have greatness inside you. You are a champion. You are a great athlete. All of that's within you. And I, and I'm prove it to you. And it's just, I believe this down to my core. I know you shared Brady. I know Leo and Joy do as well. Like, we just believe it to our core, big wheel coaching that, that people have greatness within them and untapped potential. And that's why we wanted to bring this up. And I had a guy I was just talking to today about coaching. He said, well, you know, I'm kind of old. I'm 48 years old. You know, I'm not going to be a world champion. And it just tore me up to hear him say that because he, he has everything he has. He has everything he needs inside him today to be able to achieve all the goals he laid out with me on the phone as we were talking through a consultation. Okay. And I just want everyone at home listening to know that you have those same things, right? You just want to surround yourself with people that are going to help you achieve those things and help you see that they are possible. And additionally, we want to help you see that you have it within you and help you cultivate that with things like mental skills training, you know, and the appropriate training uh, on the bike, et cetera, et cetera. So I was really thankful that you brought this up, Brady, and you were you're pretty staunch that we had to include the statue and you wanted to close out on that. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I think that was a good way to wrap it up. Now yeah. we got to do some gratitude, some closing gratitude, Brady. You, um, well, I'm just going to say, I'm grateful that you had again for another great podcast with you, but also that you brought up the statue because, uh, I, I never made the connection. I, I could, I could be like, Oh yeah, you know, you have the, you have gold within you. Got it. Check moving forward. I got to go do a workout now. Right. In reality, you helped me make the connection that it's part that I have to work on it. Right. That I have to, I have to polish myself. You know what I mean? And I've got to believe it for it to, to be able to reveal itself. So thank you, Brady, for helping me see that I hadn't made that connection of the emphasis of the mental skills. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. What you got, bro? What are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Um, I'm thankful for all my friends. Uh, just been having a good, good time lately, hanging out with some friends. So thankful for the people that lift me up and, uh, keep my cup full. That's like kind of a different thing that we didn't talk about. Maybe we'll jump into that another time. Uh, filling up a other people's cups. Left. No. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, what we've got now is we've got chapters 8, 9, and 10. What we're probably going to do, spoiler alert, is we're probably going to do a uh, an athlete profile, an athlete review next week for everyone. And then what we'll do is come back and revisit this uh, and close out this book uh, next week, just because we've had some incredible performances from our athletes that are just stacking up and we've got to get, uh, we want to share their stories, right, Brady? We've got some cool stuff going, coming. Always cool things going on here, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So for everyone at home, you know, we've got um, we've got a pedal industry store that if you're into, you know, you want to get a race day bag or big old coaching hat and socks, we'll, we'll put that in the bottom of uh, of uh, the newsletter article that goes out with this. Um, we're doing some really cool pre-rides because we're getting ready for the Mammoth Grand Fondo. If you're interested in signing up for the Mammoth Grand Fondo and you listen to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast, you can use the code Big Wheel Coaching, all in capital letters. So go to the Mammoth Grand Fondo, sign up, and in the and at the end, just put Big Wheel Coaching, and you'll get a discount on your entry. We're really excited about that. We wanted we're gonna Mammoth. The Mammoth Grand Fondo is an annual pilgrimage for all of us here, and we're gonna be there. We're gonna have a bunch of people there. Always a bunch of our athletes are going. I think last year we had like twenty plus of our athletes there. It was really cool, and so. Uh, Hopefully, a lot of you will join us there too. If you're not one of the Big Wheel Coaching athletes and you listen to this podcast because you like it and you like what you're getting, A, thank you. But B, come come to Mammoth. Check it out. We'd love to meet you in person. Say hi. Throw down a high five or two and uh, go ride some bikes. That'd be awesome. So in that vein, Brady, we're doing some Grand Fondo prep training rides, right? Yeah, check them out on Facebook. We got... Uh... We got one this weekend. Leo is also leading a few down in Thousand Oaks. So the folks that don't live in our area can check out Leo's rides too. And that'll be pretty hype. Pretty I want to go check hype. out some with, yeah, I'm going to go ride with Leo. That's good. Yeah. I need to do, I need to get out there and go ride with him too. Cause man, he's got some killer routes on plan for that. So that'll be good. So, okay. Well, good. Brady, uh, anything else you think we need to close out these three chapters? No, I think we're good. Okay, The Champion's Mind, How Great Athletes Think, Train, and Thrive. It's a great book. We absolutely recommend it. We thank everyone for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We know it's a long podcast, but there's just a lot of great stuff we want to get to. So thank you for sticking it out and listening to it. We really appreciate it. We hope to see some of you guys or as many of you guys uh, either for our Grand Fondo Prep training rides, to our Big Bear, Mammoth Grand Fondo, et cetera, et cetera. So, Brady, as always, uh, we'll see you very soon because you're never that far away, right? Right. See you on the road. (laughs) See you on the road. Later, everybody.